Hey, are you tired of shopping your car and home insurance every single year? Well, somebody's got to do it. But that somebody doesn't have to be you. At the Rose Group, we can get you up to 10 insurance quotes in less than 10 minutes. Visit us online today at roads-group.com. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Hey guys, welcome to this week's edition of Welcome to Atlanta. We appreciate you guys making us your weekly destination to catch up with some of our favorite uh, Atlanta and Georgia guests, both past and present. Let's not waste any time. Let's get to this week's edition of Welcome to Atlanta. Let me welcome our next guest uh, who is going to go down a couple of lanes with us because he's the highly successful uh, host of a couple of podcasts, not just one, two very successful pods. You hear him on Talking Chop. You also hear him on the Locked on Hawks podcast he's a friend of show brad roland who's kind enough to join us this week on welcome to matlanta brad we appreciate the time how are you i'm doing well i appreciate you having me in this uh december loveliness that's <laughs> it's a good way to put it so <laughs> i want to i want to start with the brave stuff and then we'll we'll kind of uh, get over to the hawks and i start with the braves knowing we're in the middle of the lockout and there's nothing going on but i still think a lot of braves fans are curious about what happens whenever these two you know stubborn sides decide to get something done when the new cba is here um, I don't know how you felt. Maybe take me back over the last calendar year. How surprised were you that the Braves didn't have something done with Freddie offseason a year ago, spring training throughout the year, and, and how much has that changed now? Yeah, I think it's been this kind of gradual uh, decline in optimism with regard to Freddie coming back. I feel like everyone assumed, um, maybe not 100% certainty, but with something like that, uh, that he would be back. And then they went through the whole off season and it didn't happen. And as soon as they got to spring training, I was kind of thinking, look, it got to this point and now it's a real possibility that he leaves. But even then in the middle of the season, everybody's thinking it's going to go well and they win the world series and everyone's all right. Freddie's definitely coming back now. There's no way he's leaving now. And now it's been another month and he's not signed and there's not really a lot of movement there. So I guess the optimism side would be that the Braves have worked very quietly really the entire time under Anthopolis but the other side is, like, this is your face of the franchise for the last decade, and he's still a free agent, and you can't necessarily be as positive about that as you once were. So people have asked me why it's not done or why it didn't happen then. or why. And I, I give a lot of I don't knows and a lot of qualifiers, so I'll ask you, why do you think something didn't get done then and still not done now? I think, you know, we're all guessing. I think you, everybody knows that. But at the same time, it feels like the Braves side did not want to do what it was going to take 
to sign him a year ago. Coming out of the pandemic, not knowing what the situation was going to be with the CBA, you can kind of weigh all those factors and, you know, not knowing how good the team was going to be. You know, if they knew they were going to win the World Series this year, I'm sure they would have signed him ahead of time because they knew they would have printed money this year as they did. But that sort of calculation is, yeah, you don't want to necessarily make a bad deal a year ahead of time. But if you're Freddie, you can't love that. I mean, I'm sure he, wanted, he would have liked to sign the deal a year ago or maybe even longer than a year ago. They could have done this two years ago if they wanted to. And, you know, that animosity or if there is any of that may be bubbling now because if you're Freddie, you got to be a little bit bothered that it wasn't done a year ago. Even if there were reasons, uh, if you're the player, you don't really care about that. So, Brad, we've all guessed, you know, somewhere in the six-year range, $30 million plus has been thrown around. Um, I don't know how the structure of the thing will go. Maybe the Braves will follow suit of other teams who have deferred money or front-loaded, back-loaded. Do you have any guesses on the range of what you think this ends at? Yeah, you know, there, there's been some reporting about like 6 and 180 as what Freddie has been asking for. I think if that was what they what took it, what it took to get done, they kind of just need to do it now. I mean, it, it's a lot of money for Freddie, but – that's kind of less than I thought it might take coming out of the World Series and all that stuff. And, you know, the kind of argument is that he is a little bit older. But first baseman, he can kind of age a little bit more gracefully. And he's not this guy who is, like, fully reliant on power. You know, power definitely helps. But when he came up, he was more of an average hitter. So it's not like he can't get through that. I, I think something like 6180, like, you know, 30-ish million dollars a year, I don't know if they're arguing about a sixth year or if that's kind of the breaking point. You know, if you're the Braves, you try to play hardball at this point because it's not done and you don't want to get caught in that situation. But we don't have to go down the whole rabbit hole. But the Braves have this advantageous situation with Acuna and Albies making very little money for a long time. And that kind of gives them some ammunition to pay for a little bit more up front. You know, the deferred payment thing is like a Washington national special. <laughs> they always seem to yep. do that, and the Braves haven't done it to this point. But uh, it might not be the worst thing in the world, but you know this. Uh, the big elephant in the room is the fact the Braves are owned by a corporation, and they don't operate like every other team does. No, which is something you have to point out. Now, we might not like that as a fan, but that is something that, that has to be you know brought up from time to time. And the other part of this, Brad, that I've said is, Sometimes you pay the tax, and the tax is the face of the franchise tax. You just won a World Series. You might know at the end of this deal, you're five and six. Well, I agree with you what you said about how he might age, and there's a DH to fall back on, we believe. You still might have to know that the deal might not be great, and you're five and six, and that comes with the face of the franchise tax. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's almost implied. It will be a surprise to me, and I think most people, if Freddie Freeman is still a superstar at the end of this contract that he's about to sign, no, no matter where he is. That's just the nature of the beast with a guy signing a free agent deal in his early 30s. You know, I can count on one hand the guys who have actually been able to navigate those long, long deals and still be stars at the end. Now, you could still be a valuable player, but yeah, you're, you're banking on there being surplus value at the beginning and hoping that he holds up well, and like you said, the face of the franchise thing matters. You know, the Braves won the World Series a month ago, and if Freddie Freeman leaves, you're going to have fans that are upset, which is funny. Like, you, fans are supposed to be happy right now. They won the World Series. I think everybody is. But uh, that will get outweighed a little bit. Not 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 all the way by any means. But uh, if Freddie leaves, you're going to have some pushback from the fan base, and that's definitely understandable. So let's talk about the outfield situation. Uh, the news came out on Ozuna that his suspension is retroactive. I mean, he can play game one if the Braves decide that's how they're going to go. I don't have a great feel on this. I wish I did because I, there was a point last summer I was convinced that he'll never play for the Braves again. And now where we are today, I don't know if that I feel that way. How do you think it plays out with him? I think I was in the same place as you were. As I was definitely leaning towards it never happening again um, in the middle of the investigation and you know the videos and the way it was reported and all that. And now that they gave him a suspension that's retroactive, this is, this is the MLB side, not the Braves, but 
the fact that he's going into this season with no suspension and the Braves kind of gave a pretty standard statement, but not one that was like overly condemning and it was kind of giving him a chance and we just leaving the door open to bring him back. Part of this is financial, which no one wants to hear, but the guy just signed a long-term contract before last season, and the Braves are not just going to cut him. I mean, I understand the impulse. I understand that fans want, at least some fans wanted to just, like, send him away and cut him right now, but they owe him a lot of money, and maybe they can try to trade him, but I don't think that most teams are going to be over the moon to deal for him, given the baggage that he now has. So, if I had to guess, I think he actually probably stays around in Atlanta and maybe they try to move off of him and whatever they can do. But with the DH and the money he's owed, I'm starting to have some fears that he's going to have to be in the lineup opening day, which I don't think anybody's going to have a whole lot of fun rooting for him right now. But maybe maybe they, the Braves will sort of take the cover that the, the baseball actually gave them, but basically by knock, knocking down the suspension and the fact that he was not charged with felony stuff, it's been knocked down from there. So if they want to keep him, they might be able to pull it off, but the PR is going to be bad for it. Yes, we're brought to you by the Daily Draft in downtown Woodstock. It's kind of my go-to. I'm a little bit lucky. I live in Woodstock, so I'm right around the corner to downtown Woodstock on Main Street to see the Daily Draft, which I've told you many times, it's the ultimate sports bar experience, not your father's sports bar. You're talking wall-to-wall flat screens, self-serve taps, craft bar, chef-inspired menu. And with sizzling plays ahead, if you're planning on tailgating both this summer or this fall, maybe you're going to MBS or Athens or on the flats, or you're hosting a game night at your home, check out the Daily Draft's newest menu edition, the Tailgate Box. Yes, you can enjoy their wings, boneless wings, a couple of sides, a bag of popcorn, and of course, their homemade jumbo cookies. Now, these are pre-order only. You can go to the uh, thedailydraft.net or give them a call at the Daily Draft to get the pre-orders in. If you're also looking for a new place to grab lunch during the week, or even order on Uber Eats, check out the Daily Draft. They have a great lunch lineup for only 11 bucks Monday through Friday from 11.30 till 3.30. Again, go to thedailydraft.net or you can check them out on Facebook or Instagram. The Daily Draft, a unique experience from the moment you walk through the door, a walk-up window to order drinks from the sidewalk, craft beer bar, pool tables, darts, wall-to-wall flat screens. You won't miss a single second of the game. Go check them out today at The Daily Draft. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. No, I would agree. All I could picture is a ring presentation day, and you're going down the line, and here, here, here's your ring, Marcel. Yeah. In the middle uh, of that. So fun. How, um, how do you think now that affects, because we were all trying to play the game, which of the two outfielders that were, uh, you know, the trade acquisitions with the Braves try to bring back, and a lot of that will still have to do with, you know, the market and the way it plays out. Um, but if Marcel's here, he profiles as the DH. If the DH does come in, like, do you have a guess? Do, you have a, do they still try to make a pitch if, if the market doesn't develop for Rosario? Or, you know, Solaire seemed to be the popular one. Jock seemed to, want to be the one nobody thought would be around, and now we know Duvall was tendered, so you have some clarity there. Yeah, I think it's interesting because there was really not a lot of buzz on any of the three free agents before the uh, before the lockout started, and it doesn't necessarily tell you anything, but I don't think that 
Rosario, Soler, and especially Jocker in line for like huge paydays somewhere else, they'll probably get some real money. But the fact that they haven't signed so far may be a little bit favorable to the Braves if they want to bring those guys back. I never thought they're going to bring all four back. That seemed kind of you know pie in the sky. Maybe three, and I thought kind of more likely two, and that includes Duvall. Like maybe Duvall and one more of the other guys to kind of pair with Acuna um, and whoever else they can bring in. You know, profile-wise, the fact that they have Ozuna kind of makes it harder to bring Soler back. You know, Soler, I think more often profiles as a DH. Now he can play a little bit out. I feel like he was obviously playing out for the, for the Braves last year. But he's not a great glove guy, and I think AL teams might look at Soler as a, as a pretty intriguing DH option. And Rosario's had some injury stuff. He was obviously fantastic in that run, but he's a little bit older. I, I think I, if I had to just give him, this is a guess. I think Rosario is probably the most likely to return, but even then, I'm not terribly conflicted. I mean, it's just one of those things where Duvall is going to be back, and once something crazy happens on the tender, he gives you some stability, but they're going to have to fill the outfield out with somebody else. Do you have any guesses or gut? Because none of us know what the payroll is going to look like. And to the Braves' credit, they, they don't want to tell us that they're smart to do it. <laughs> but, like, I think the thing we saw again, Brad, and by no fault of the Braves, they overcame losing more pitching to win a World Series. But when it was all done, you were down to Max Fried and Ian Anderson again uh, because they didn't trust Drew. They didn't feel like any of the you – know, like, we're starting Dylan Lee in the World Series. It's still the most remarkable <laughs> thing I've ever seen. Do you think they try to add one more veteran arm in the mix of this, this uh, starting rotation? Yeah, I think they're going to need one, even if it's not the most high-profile guy. You know, they kind of surprised everyone last year by moving so quickly on Drew Smiley, um, and I thought that was a reasonable move in a way that some people didn't. You know, it didn't work out all that well, but he didn't really kill them. Like he wasn't kind of as bad as people thought he was last year. He wasn't good, but that's kind of the nature of a one-year market on starting pitching. And yes, they have Max Free and Evan Anderson. They obviously paid top dollar to bring Charlie Morton back, but he's coming back with an injury and maybe have a slow start at the beginning of the season. And after that, it's all these young guys, you know, you know, what's coming back, but you have Kyle Wright and you have the pieces that you have and you have some depth, but I, I kind of can't imagine them going into the year with only what they have right now. And I'm not sure what that looks like. Maybe it's one of those like Drew Smiley types where it's one year and $10 million for an, un- an uninspiring veteran that can throw some endings for you. But I think, the smart money would be that they sign or at least acquire somebody else that's more proven, but uh, trying to figure out who that is at the stage is uh, pretty tough. Folks, let me ask you a question. When it comes to dealing with experts, don't you know they've got your best interest in mind? Think about somebody in the medical profession as opposed to you diagnosing yourself. You would never do that. When, when it comes to insurance, I would think, yeah, you can go shop your own rates, but don't you want the professionals to do it for you, the experts? Well, I'm talking about the Rhodes Group. My friend Clayton Rhodes and the great folks at the Rhodes Group, they did that for me, and you should know. You should be shopping your rates or having pros do it each and every year because the rates change so much. When I'm talking about home or car insurance, you could be saving a bundle if you have professionals like the Rhodes Group shopping for you. They did just that, and they saved me a couple of thousand dollars a year with home and car insurance combined. You can be the next to save a bunch of money with the Rhodes Group. I want you to go to their website. It's Rhodes-Group.com. It's spelled R-H-O-A-D-S-Group.com. Or follow me on Real Matt Land on Twitter. You'll see the link. You can click over and have them give you 10 quotes in 10 minutes at the Rhodes Group. Locally owned, a great bunch of folks who are professionals when it comes to finding you the best rates. Go to Rhodes-Group.com. Have them shop your rates 
They'll give you 10 quotes in 10 minutes at the Rhodes Group. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps it $5 minimum balance required. All right, last one before we move on to the Hawks. Um, the Mets, and they went big with the Scherzer deal, which I said good for Max, but the Mets will break him. They break everything. Um, <laughs> the Phillies have been really quiet so far. The Nats are in this weird, are we rebuilding phase, and, and the Marlins are still the Marlins. As you look at the division, like, uh, I mean, maybe I'm being too homer on this. I would think the Braves are going to be better than they were last year, assuming Acuna comes back healthy. They round out some of the pieces you and I just talked about. Like, the Mets, are they the biggest challenger? Am I forgetting somebody? No, I think it has to be the Mets. And the point you made just said about the Braves being better is so funny because they won the World Series, they got super hot, and clearly that's all that matters. But in terms of regular season, that was not the greatest team in the world. Like, the Braves really were not particularly inspiring for most of last season. Um, so be, them being better in the regular season is not even like a tough bar to clear necessarily, but I think they will be better. And yeah, the Mets are the clear on paper. I want to stress on paper challenger because it's the Mets. You, you alluded to it, but they just have things go wrong uh, almost all the time, but they do have the best roster top to bottom of the other teams in the division between adding Marte and having, having Lindor come back and Pete Alonso. And uh, if DeGrom can stay healthy, he's a monster and Scherzer, et cetera. So, it's kind of the famous thing with the Mets. Even before last season, they got they were picked to win the division because they had a, another you know talented team. But can they keep it together? Who knows? Uh, they're under new management in a lot of ways, which might maybe change some stuff for the Mets. But I think they are very clearly the most talented team on top of the Braves. Yeah, still waiting on their manager move. The one part of this that it's a, it's a them problem, but it's great to have a billionaire owner, right? But everything we read about the the GMs and the executives they talk to. Like, they all paused before deciding, I want to work for Steve Cohen. Like, having that guy <laughs> lean over your shoulder, that's a that's a decision you have to be tough enough to make. He probably will tweet about you at some point, which is not <laughs> what you want from your own. Yeah, he's, a, he's a big one on social media. He enjoys that one. All right, let, let's switch over to the Hawks. Uh, we're still early, but you know, not early enough where we can't form some, some, uh, some form of conclusions. I think the kind of amazing thing, and this is just from the bad luck department, like the same three wings are out again that were out a year ago. Not exactly the same scenario, but uh, Hunter out, Bogdanovich out, and uh, Cam dealing with an injury as well. Um, being where they are, and we're recording this on whatever day this is, Thursday morning. Hawks will be, you know, their next game will be in Brooklyn, or at home against Brooklyn on Friday. Are you surprised where they are record-wise before we take a deeper dive considering the injuries in the schedule? I think not a ton. I think if I had, if you just told me they played this, this, this exact same way, they probably should have, like, 14, 15 wins other than just 13 and 12. Like they haven't been terrible. They have a net rating. That's like more indicative of a team better than they've been so far. But you mentioned it, the injuries, the schedule was very brutal for a while. They had this West coast trip where 
it was about as difficult of a trip on paper as there's possible in the NBA. They played five good teams all on the West Coast with weird travel and all this stuff. And then they came home and took care of business. So, like, you know, am I surprised at 13 and 12 like in a vacuum? Maybe a little bit. But when you factor in the injuries in the schedule, it becomes more reasonable. So, um, uh, and, uh, maybe this is a, a factor of the injuries, Brad, but the one thing that's kind of jumped out to me is fourth quarters have not been pretty, even when they've won games. I mean, it's like they've gone in some four corners, they've held the ball, they've had bad shots. Like, what happened against, I think, the Knicks and the, and the Sixers and even the, the Hornets jump off the page of, like, four quarter, uh, the fourth quarter just did not look like a team that we saw after they made the move last year to Nate where they finished so much better. Maybe, again, maybe that's a factor of the injury, but it just has not looked good late in games. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of randomness to it. It's kind of funny because last year, uh, the huge talking point with Lloyd Pierce, above all else, was that they were had these bad collapses, and then Nate comes in, they fix it, and that was their biggest you know swing in, between that and health and all that stuff in terms of turning it all around. And then this year, with Nate, they're back to not playing well in the fourth quarter. So it's like, how much of that is real? I don't really know. I think the only thing that I can come up with offensively in particular is that they're so reliant on Trey Young and Trey has had a few, he's been awesome this year. I want to say that very clearly. He's been awesome this season, but especially in the last couple of weeks, he's had a few bad fourth quarters where he, he's 0 five one night in the fourth quarter. He has three turnovers one night in the fourth quarter. And if he doesn't have it, they don't really have that second pitch in the fourth quarter because teams are going to guard him, you know, the way they're going to guard him, but they're going to give it even more attention down the stretch. And if he doesn't have it, they just don't have another plan B and that might be part of it. The defense has actually been fine in the fourth quarter. It's more the offense, which is crazy because the offense has been so good every other time during the course of the season. So I think really it comes down to a little bit of randomness and just kind of some misplaced, you know, cold streaks. But uh, I'll be keeping an eye on it for sure because, you know, that's how you win and lose games. Obviously, it's quite obvious, but you need to be able to close games. And Nate has been preaching that now for a full year since he basically took over. And this year they just haven't been able to do it as well. Well, and again, let's come back to the injuries. In the fourth quarter, your point's a fair one that, Maybe if you have a DeAndre playing at, at the level that we saw him before he got hurt a year ago and you know, what Bogey became when he came back, like those two pieces of the puzzle, and even Cam, I don't want to neglect Cam. There's some shot selection stuff with Cam sometimes that'll make you scratch your head, but whatever. Having those options for Trey in the fourth quarter, I mean, that's, that's something we can't ignore. Oh, not at all. I think in particular Bogdanovich and Hunter on offense, Bogdanovich was, you know, honestly, probably the low-key biggest turnaround of terms of players last season from first half to second half was Bogdanovich who was banged up in the first half. And then essentially outside of Steph Curry was the best shooter in the league in the second half of the season. He was just out of his mind. Um, and this year he's had that kind of a, a slower start and also is now banged up. And that explains some of it because he gets a lot of attention defensively that nobody else kind of gets outside of Trey on the perimeter. And then Hunter's their mismatch guy. I mean, they want him to be able to attack and switches and that kind of stuff. And he hasn't been there either. So yeah, I think not having a ton of wing depth. One of the things that about having Trey Young is that you can kind of plug and play and get by. We saw that the other night with TLC and Solomon Hill, and they can kind of navigate this and not crater because Trey makes life so easy on these guys by just having them stand in the corner and shoot basically. But at the end of the day, when defenses are a little bit more keyed in, you've got to have more dynamic stuff on the perimeter and they don't really have that. No, I would agree. Uh, I want to ask you about Trey and John. Let's start with Trey because I agree with you. Statistically, we just didn't even take the deeper dive. Like, this is the best year of his career to this point, three-point shooting overall, effective field goal percentage, free-throw shooting, all of it, which I think is funny in the face of the rule, the foul rule, how that was going to affect Trey so much, and, and, it, and it hasn't. Um, what have you seen beyond just the, uh, the statistical numbers in Trey that just, like, it, another just year of development, he just gets the game, it slows down? Like, what have you seen that's, that's taken it to what looks like another level? 
He's been so impressive this season. You mentioned the foul stuff, and you know all of the shooting numbers are up this year, other than free throw attempts. And the fact that he's been able to navigate this new world where he's not getting into the line ten times a game. It's still six times a game. He's still getting into the line plenty for the most part. But he's so smart, and that's why I was kind of never worried about Trey and the free throw stuff. Is that yeah, he may not get you know one or two calls a game that he was getting before, but his basketball IQ is truly off the charts. He feels the game so well, and he kind of knew right away. He's not had any of those like highlights or lowlights, I should say, where you know he's been trying to draw fouls in a you know flopping kind of way. He doesn't get the call. Those kind of didn't happen for Trey because he kind of knew it was going to happen this year that he wasn't going to get those calls along the way. And yeah, the shooting might cool off a little bit. 39% from three on his shot difficulty may not be sustainable. And I think he's a great shooter. That's not even up for debate, really. But because of the difficulty, it's more like Dame Lillard, where Dame is always shot like 37 38% from three, despite being this awesome shooter, is because he takes so many difficult attempts and trades the same way. So I think he might come down three-point shooting, but everything else is kind of sustainable, and the passing has always been remarkable. You know, top two, top three in the league in assists. And he's just navigating this world and – it's been the case for three years now, basically, but whenever he plays, the Hawks have a top five offense, and it's not a coincidence. He just drives everything. He gets attacked in different ways every night, and he's smart enough to figure it out, and Nate's kind of gotten him to rein in the turnovers just a touch. He's not turning the ball over too much, but it's okay. When you're, when you're averaging nine and a half, ten assists a game, you can get by with that, and honestly, I think he's playing at an all-NBA level right now um, pretty conservatively, and people always ask me, is, like, is he an MVP candidate? And I'm like, well, not, not quite there because of the team's record more than anything else, but if the Hawks were 20 and five right now, you'd be hearing Trey Young MVP stuff. And that's how good he's been. Yeah, I don't disagree. The all NBA thing, I, and I totally agree with you on um, th- there is something about like his passing is elite. We all know that. But he does. That's why I laughed when the, when the rule thing came up of how Trey, you were going to see this big fall. His basketball IQ is that good. Like that guy just has a feel for the game at this young age that is so rare. You saw the way he manipulated everybody in the playoffs, he controlled nine other guys on the floor in a postseason series two different times and then for half of the Milwaukee series. Like, I'm probably not eloquent enough to describe how difficult are we seeing or how easy is he making something that looks that difficult at this age? It's really, really impressive because of the fact, like I said this on my show a few times, like Trey will have a game where he has like 28 and 9 or 28 and 10, and I come out of it thinking that he didn't even play that well, (laughs) which is insane. Like, if you think about that, you know, you're grading on a curve with Trey Young, and I kind of have to remind myself of that all the time. Like, he can have a game that for anybody else would feel incredible, and it just feels ordinary, like a C-minus game for him. It's because he's in such total control all the time, and I don't go crazy with it. I'm not someone who's going to be effusive all the time, but the fact that he is able to do what what he does at this age on offense at the size that he has too. Like he is so small, like he's, he's stronger than he used to be and credit to that. He's in great shape. Like, you know, I've seen him up close and the guy takes care of his body, no question, but he's still six one. You can't really fake that. And the fact that he's able to navigate all that with his floater game and his passing and his awareness, and he directs traffic and all that stuff, you know, it's, it's extremely impressive and it doesn't get talked about just enough. Cause you know, the highlights are what gets the attention, the 30 footers and um, his, you know, behind the back passes and stuff. And he's good at that, all that stuff too, but possession by possession, he really is just fantastic, and he drives success. It's not, just, it's not just him getting his numbers. The Hawks are genuinely good when he plays, always, and that's basically the biggest thing. Yes, we're brought to you by the Daily Draft in downtown Woodstock. 
it's kind of my go-to. Uh, I'm a little bit lucky. I live in Woodstock, so I'm right around the corner to downtown Woodstock on Main Street to see the Daily Draft, which I've told you many times, it's the ultimate sports bar experience, not your father's sports bar. You're talking wall-to-wall flat screens, self-serve taps, craft bar, chef-inspired menu. And with sizzling plays ahead, if you're planning on tailgating both this summer or this fall, maybe you're going to MBS or Athens or on the flats, or you're hosting a game night at your home, check out the Daily Draft's newest menu edition, the Tailgate Box. Yes, you can enjoy their wings, boneless wings, a couple of sides, a bag of popcorn, and of course, their homemade jumbo cookies. Now, these are pre-order only. You can go to the uh, thedailydraft.net or give them a call at the Daily Draft to get the pre-orders in. If you're also looking for a new place to grab lunch during the week or even order on Uber Eats, check out the Daily Draft. They have a great lunch lineup for only 11 bucks Monday through Friday from 11.30 till 3.30. Again, go to thedailydraft.net or you can check them out on Facebook or Instagram. The Daily Draft, a unique experience from the moment you walk through the door, a walk-up window to order drinks from the sidewalk, craft beer bar, pool tables, darts, wall-to-wall flat screens. You won't miss a single second of the game. Go check them out today at The Daily Draft. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Getting to whatever spot on the floor he wants to at his size has always been a marvel to me. Let me ask you about Collins, because if you're not paying a ton of attention, you see, well, John's scoring is down a little bit, but, man, he's doing everything. The scoring, the rebounding, the passing has improved. You know, we always talked about his ability to step behind the three-point line. Like, all around, compare this John year to some of the others that he's had. And, and again, I know the, the tendency after you get the big deal is where are the 20 points a game. He's doing everything else and still scoring, but maybe not at the same level. Yeah, it's, I've said this a few times, and people get kind of weird with me, but I think it's his best year of his career so far. And that is funny when he's averaging the fewest points he's averaged his second year in the league. But it's basically only about usage. On that, on that front. Like he's still been as efficient or even more so as productive as he's ever been. He's just taking fewer shots because the Hawks have more options and he's kind of just fitting through the offense. And, you know, you mentioned the contract. It's uh, impressive to me. Not that I ever worry about this because John is a hard worker. And that's something that's been the case since day one is that he only has one speed. He plays hard all the time. And I almost get worried for him sometimes in like blowouts or preseason games that he's going to get hurt because he just plays so hard and nobody else is. Um, but yeah, I think that if you look at the across the board, the numbers are solid for sure. 17, eight, reba- eight rebounds, super efficient. Like he's one of the best finishers in the league, full stop. And the biggest thing for me, I think you mentioned it, is like the passing. Like every single year, John seems to go into the lab in the offseason and fix something or improve something. And if you ask me before, before the season started, what was his worst trade or his biggest weakness on a basketball court, I probably would have said passing. And he came in, he's basically doubled his assist rate this year. He's not Draymond Green as a passer. He's not going to you know run your offense. But his passing has been notably improved, the short roll stuff that he can do. And he kind of just has no weaknesses anymore. It's uh, It's pretty crazy. Like, I'm sure you remember this too. Early in the early in his career, coming out of college and in his rookie season, 
he was a bad defender, and that was oh, a yeah. knock on, yeah. on that was that was a knock on him. Even for me, I mean, scouting him before before he arrived, he was a bad defender, and now he's. I would say he's a plus defender. Is it going to be all NBA defense? No, but I think he's generally good on defense, and he doesn't turn the ball over ever. And like, it really is. I'm not trying to go crazy, but he doesn't have any weaknesses anymore. It's uh, it's kind of remarkable, and if you have to watch him every night to figure that out, because the numbers aren't quite there. He's not averaging 20 and 10, but I think if the Hawks got a second All Star, it would be John pretty clearly, and he's been their best player at times this season, and that's pretty impressive given who they also have on this roster. Yeah. The. Uh... I, he's not great at anything, but he's so good at so many things, and that you know sometimes doesn't get the headline. Okay, l- let's finish up with this, Brad, and I'm going to give you a couple of qualifiers. If the Hawks can get healthy and stay there, which has never happened, it seems, over the last couple of years, but mostly healthy, and they play decent defense, like not embarrassingly bad, they try, is this team still, because I picked them to win 50, and maybe that was too aggressive at the time, but is that still this team's ceiling? And are they, you know, when we look at the top of the East, Brooklyn is clearly the, the head and shoulders. Then there's Milwaukee, and then I think everything else is up for grabs. Are they still that team that could be that next in line if everything kind of works out the way I sold it? Yeah, I, I think so. I think the only two teams in the league that I would confidently pick to finish ahead of the Hawks this season are the Nets and the Bucks. And there are other teams that could, you know, Chicago's having this great start and they, they might be real. I'm not sure yet on them, but they're, they are playing quite well. You know, Miami has been banged up too, but when they were healthy, they were playing very well. Um, if Philadelphia is still around and they're now healthier than they were and B missed a bunch of time, but when he's played this year, they've been good. So there are other teams, but yeah, I think that all of the Hawks goals are still attainable. The slow start did happen, but if you look below the line a little bit, their peripherals are totally fine. They're eighth in the league in net rating. That's kind of where they're supposed to be coming into the season. So yeah. Um, would I pick them for 50 now? Maybe not, but only that, that's really only because of the, the banked losses they have. You just kind of have to play at this level that you, know, you have to win at a level that they probably haven't done for a long stretch of time. But the rest of the season actually get 50 wins, but they're playing that, like that kind of team right now. And it would not stun me at all if they still finish third in the East. Um, you know, maybe they have to be knocked a little bit because they're three and a half games behind Chicago as we talk right now. And if Chicago is real, that three and a half game head start does matter. But everybody else, like they're within a game and a half of Miami and they're within a game of Philadelphia, even with all the qualifiers. So yeah, if they're, if they're healthy, if Trey stays upright, if Collins and Capella, those three guys are really what kind of makes the foundation. If they have those three guys relatively healthy and don't just completely fall apart, apart elsewhere. Yeah. They can win 48, 50 games still, even with a slow start. It's going to be fun to see. Uh, promote your pods because I'm a big fan of both, and I know uh, a lot of my <laughs> listeners will love them. No, I, I appreciate you letting me do that. Uh, I host, as you said before, two podcasts. The first is the Lock on Hawks podcast, which is a daily show five, six times a week about the Atlanta Hawks after games. Uh, that's a lot of fun. And then Talking Chop, which is uh, more weekly. It was daily during the playoff run, but it's more of a weekly show for me. But there's actually a whole network of podcasts on one feed where there's usually three, four, five episodes per week that you can get there on the Braves. So uh, check those out on the, where, where you get podcasts, I guess. Brad, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Always appreciate picking your brain, and uh, thanks for taking some time for us. Guys, thanks again for joining us. We appreciate it very much. Thanks to Brian Murphy for producing the podcast, and thanks to you guys for making us your weekly destination. We'll talk to you next week on Welcome to Madland. Welcome to Atlanta where the players play, and we ride on them things like every day. Big beats hit streets, see gangsters roaming, and parties don't stop till 8 in the morning. Welcome to Atlanta where the players play, and we ride on them things like every day. Big beats hit streets, see gangsters roaming, uh-huh. and parties don't stop yeah. till 8 in the morning. 
The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.